Welcome to What Are You Worried About Today? A special program for the new year on American Family Radio, featuring Ray Pritchard. Ray is a frequent co-host of today's issues and serves as president of Keep Believing Ministries. And now, Ray Pritchard with What Are You Worried About Today? What are you worried about today? At the end of the holiday season, if you are like most people, you're probably worried about your weight. That might not be at the top of your list, but according to a recent survey, that's the number one concern for most people. Here are the top 10 worries, counting down from number 10 to number one. Number 10, diet. Number nine, job security. Number eight, rent, mortgage payment. Number seven, credit card debt. Number six, low energy level. Number five, overdrafts and loans. Number four, overall fitness. Number three, lack of savings, financial worries. Number two, growing old. And number one, overweight. Now here are three observations about that list. First, these mostly fall into two categories, health and finances. Number two, these are universal human concerns. And number three, these are issues that will be with us as long as we live. You're going to have to die to stop being concerned about your money and your health. So the question is, how much time do you spend worrying? It's probably more than you think. The same survey asked people how much time they spend worrying, and here's what they found out. Each week, we spend 14 hours worrying. That equals 744 hours of worry each year, which turns into 45,243 hours of worry over a lifetime. That equals 1,885 days in a lifetime spent doing nothing but worrying, which means that we spend 5.2 years of life captured by worry. No wonder we have trouble sleeping. No wonder we feel under so much pressure. No wonder we find it hard to concentrate. For most people, it's not just one thing. It's many things wrapped up together. It's a job, school, money, work, health, bills to pay, your husband, your wife, your ex-husband, your ex-wife, the in-laws, the kids, and on and on it goes. Any one thing we can handle, or even two things, but when you get three or four together, your knees start to buckle. The dictionary says that to worry is to give way to anxiety or unease, allow one's mind to dwell on difficulties or troubles. The word itself comes from the old English weirgan, which means to strangle or to seize by the throat. That's a helpful image because we've all felt the pressure squeezing us. A friend told me about going through a crisis regarding his newborn grandchild with some serious medical issues. He spoke of being on a roller coaster of emotions as the doctors first gave bad news, then good news, and then news that was somewhat confusing. He felt like being taken to the top and then suddenly dropped to the bottom. He added this telling phrase, I found that it squeezes my mind quite a bit while trying to do other things. Let me give you a simple definition. Worry is excessive concern over the affairs of life. The key word, obviously, is the word excessive. Worry happens when you are so concerned about the problems of life, you can't think about anything else. It's an all-consuming feeling of uncertainty and fear. And it is a sin. Worry is a sin for at least two reasons. First, because it displaces God in your life. 
When you commit the sin of worry, you are living as if God did not exist. And you are living as though you alone can solve all your problems. Second, worry is a sin because it distracts you from the things that really matter in life. As long as you are worrying, you can't do anything else. You are strangled by worry. So, question, how can we tell when the legitimate concerns of life have become sinful worries? Well, here are three practical guidelines. You are well into worry, number one, when the thing you are concerned about is the first thing you think about in the morning and the last thing you think about at night. Second, when you find yourself thinking about it during every spare moment. Number three, when you find yourself bringing it up in every conversation. Seen in that light, most of us worry a lot more than we would like to admit. Now here is God's answer to our worries, stated in one verse, tucked away near the end of Peter's first epistle. Casting all your cares on Him because He cares for you. 1 Peter 5.7 To get a broader perspective, I checked out some other translations and paraphrases of this verse, starting with the venerable King James Version. Casting all your cares upon Him, for He careth for you. Throw all your anxieties upon Him, because He cares about you. Here's the Phillips Version. You can throw the whole weight of your anxieties upon Him, for you are His personal concern. This is how it reads in the message. Live carefree before God. He is most careful with you. And from the voice, since God cares for you, let him carry all your burdens and worries. Look at the different words that are used. Cares, anxieties, burdens, worries. That covers all of life. No matter which word you choose, God makes the same invitation to all of us. Take your worries. Take your cares, take your burdens, take your anxieties, and give them to me. Let's take a moment to unpack this text and see how to respond to God's gracious invitation. First, there is a definite action. Cast all your cares on Him. This is a familiar biblical theme stated in different ways in different parts of the Bible. Psalm 55:22 says, Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. Psalm 56, 3, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Psalm 37, 5, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. And from Matthew 6, 25, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Matthew 6:34 Do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself sufficient for the day is its own trouble and then finally a very familiar verse Philippians 4:6 Do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God I said finally, but really, let's add one more. We have the wonderful promise of Hebrews 13, 5. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Any of those verses would make the case, but the accumulated weight makes it even stronger. God intends that you not be strangled by worry. God has done everything necessary 
for you to trust him. He has said, give me your problems. 1 Peter 5, 7 says we are to cast our cares on the Lord. The word cast means to throw off with vigor. It's the picture of a hiker at the end of a long day, unhooking his pack and tossing it down. That's what you are to do with your anxieties. By an act of the will, you are to unload all your worries on the Lord. Said in two words, we are to release anxiety. Now, I tend to hang on to my problems. Odd as it seems, I feel more comfortable when I am worrying about my finances or my family or my future. We all like to be in control, don't we? Worry gives us the illusion of control. Well, as long as I'm worrying about fill in the blank, I can do something about it. No, not really. Now listen, Peter is not telling us blow off all the concerns of life. You've got to think about things like your job, your education, your finances, your children, your health, your friendships, and your plans for the future. Every day, you make decisions that touch all these areas. So, what is Peter saying? Something like this. Make wise plans in all areas. Make the decisions you need to make. Decide what you need to decide and do what you need to do. But do not be strangled with worry about things you can't control. Thus, the command to release anxiety and throw the full weight of your cares on the Lord. We are to unload all our worries on Him. There's a second truth here, a deliberate release. Cast all your cares on Him. Not long ago, I sat down, took out a piece of paper, began to write down the things that were troubling me. Within a few minutes, I ended up with a list of 43 items. After I looked at it, I added four more things to the list. And later, as I studied that list, two thoughts occurred to me. First, none of the items are world-shaking in their impact. Most of them have to do with the ongoing concerns of life. Nothing was in the category of bringing peace to the Middle East. Yet the things on my list, trivial though they are, have a cumulative effect that weighs heavily on my soul. Second, I realized as I looked at that list, I have no power to solve or change most of the things on my list at least not immediately. Now, to be sure, some things will take care of themselves. Other things involve God's timing. Still others are ongoing prayer requests that I pray about almost every day. After I made my list, I wrote 1 Peter 5-7 at the bottom of the page to remind me that I don't have to solve my own problems. Let me encourage you now to write your own list. You don't need to let anyone else see it. Just take a few minutes to write down your cares, your worries, and your burdens. Then write 1 Peter 5-7 at the bottom of the list. Since this list isn't for public consumption, write down whatever is on your heart. Then rip it up and throw it away. The very act of ripping up the list is part of what it means to cast your cares on the Lord. Third, there is in this verse a divine destination. Cast all your cares on Him. Either He carries the worry or we do. If we do, we'll be divided, distracted, disturbed, confused, frustrated, and burdened. But if He, the Lord of the universe, if He, our great God, if He, the Lord Jesus, carries the load, 
we may still have trouble and difficulties. Indeed, it is certain that we will still have trouble and difficulties. But if we cast our cares on Him, there will be no consuming anxiety, no dominating fear, no undue concern, and no hopeless despair. Here's another way to say it. Jesus will carry your backpack as you hike toward heaven. It's not just that your burdens will be carried, it's that He, the Lord of the universe, will carry them for you. He who is above all things, He who is before all things, He who created all things, He who is our Savior, He who knows us and loves us, He who came for us, He who died for us, He who rose for us, He who intercedes for us, and He who will one day come again for us. He will personally carry all our worries. So, why would we lug that heavy weight when Jesus will carry it for us? Why would we cling to our problems when the Lord of heaven and earth will lift the burden for us? Why would we stagger under that load when our Lord says, let me carry that for you? So what we have here is an invitation, both intimate and personal. Jesus says, will you let me carry your burdens? How can you say no to him? Fourth, there is in this verse a delightful reason, casting all your cares on him, because, here it is, he cares for you. Ponder those four simple words, he cares for you. What truth they contain, what hope in the time of trouble. In thinking about this, it helps to know that when Peter wrote this verse, he used two different Greek words. The word translated cares or worries or anxieties in the first half of the verse is completely different from the word translated cares in the second half. The words aren't related at all. The word in the second half of the verse means something like to fix your thoughts upon something. One writer said it means that he always has you on his heart. He is always thinking about you. We can think of many contemporary examples. The mother waiting while her child has surgery. She has that child always in her heart. Nothing can intrude, nothing can change her focus. Or think of a soldier returning home from war. How fervently his family makes ready to greet him. How often they hope and pray for his safe return. Or think of a husband coming home from a long trip. How happy his wife will be to see him how carefully she prepares everything for his arrival. Or think of a prodigal son who at long last is returning from the far country. In the story Jesus told, much thought was given to him by his father. He waited and watched and hoped for the day when at last his son would return. Nothing would deter him. The neighbors may have thought the father was crazy. Come inside, old man. That boy of yours is never coming home. But he would not be turned aside. His son was on his heart. And at the first sign on the horizon, the father ran to meet him. Here is the great truth that makes this verse so powerful. Our father has us on his heart. He is always thinking about us. Many of us fear that if we cast all our cares on him, somehow he will mess things up. That's why people sometimes say, Pray for the opposite of what you want, because God gives us the opposite of what we most desire. That's not true. 
We shouldn't think that, and we certainly shouldn't pray that way. At the bottom of it all, when you move past the problems we think we have, if you burrow down deep, you find that our deepest problems are theological. Here is the ultimate question. Can God be trusted? Until you settle that issue, worry will rule your life. We fear that if we submit our lives to Jesus Christ, He'll mess things up for us. He'll ask us to do things we don't want to do. He'll send us to places we don't want to go. He'll bring unpleasant people into our lives, and He'll force us to be someone we don't want to be. We secretly fear He can't be trusted to take care of us. So we decide to handle our own problems, and we wonder why we are frustrated and unfulfilled. No wonder we're so messed up. After I preached on this topic, a woman commented to me that she doesn't have any problem casting her burdens on the Lord. Her problem, she said, is that she keeps pulling her burdens back. I think a lot of us can relate to that. You pray and you release. You pray and you give it up. You pray and you yield to the Lord. Before you go to bed tonight, as far as you can, you lay all your burdens at the Lord's feet. And then in the morning when you wake up, without even thinking, you grab those worries, you grab those burdens, you grab those anxieties, you take them back from the Lord on the way out the door. I think a lot of us can identify with what she said. As the old chorus says, take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Here is the heart of biblical Christianity. God cares for me. He proved it by sending his own son to die on the cross. Any God who would sacrifice his own son for a person like me must care for me. There is no other reason he would do such a thing. Romans 5 says, while we were ungodly, while we were yet sinners, while we were enemies of God, he reconciled us. He died for us. He died for our sins. He died that we might be brought into the family of God. You see, when we come to God, we don't have to convince Him to hear us. We don't have to chant or shout or burn incense or ring bells or use a priest or offer a sacrifice. We come as His children and gladly He hears us. We don't do anything to make God care for us. We start from the assurance rooted in history that God cares for us. And on that basis, we can unload all our worries, all our burdens, all our cares on Him. He loves us. He made us. He came for us. He died for us. He rose for us. He will come again for us. And we still have our burdens, and we still have our concerns, the questions that keep us awake at night. What will tomorrow bring? We look at the calendar. The year 2018 stretches out before us, 12 months. What will happen? What's going to happen in January? What will happen in March? What's going to happen in the summer? What will happen in the fall? Really, we don't even know what will tomorrow bring. We come to the beginning of a new year, so many questions. Will our health hold up? Or will we have a heart attack or a sudden stroke? Will we end up in a nursing home or waste away in a hospital? What about our children? Will they serve the Lord? What if something happens to them? How about our job? The economy is so uncertain these days. You've got a job today, you could lose it tomorrow. Who's going to take care of us in our old age? Singles wonder if they will ever marry. 
married couples look at all the divorces and wonder if they will make it. Will we live to see our grandchildren? We all have concerns about our career choices and we wonder where we will be in 10 years. Here are three truths that ought to encourage us as we think about the future. Number one, don't worry about tomorrow because God is already there. Theologians have a word for this. They call this the prevenient grace of God. Don't let that word scare you. This is based on the concept in the Old Testament of the God who goes before his people. That means he's above us, he's below us, he's behind us, he's with us, but guess what? He's also ahead of us. The doctrine of the prevenient grace of God means that God goes before his people. He's in tomorrow while we're still in today. Think about this. He's up ahead of us solving problems three weeks from today that we don't even know right now that we're going to have. Don't worry about tomorrow because God is already there. Number two, God promises to be with you no matter what happens to you tomorrow and the day after tomorrow and all the days after that. That's Hebrews 13, 5. I will never leave you. Now, sometimes when I'm preaching, I'll have people just hold up the fingers of one hand and say it with me. So wherever you're listening right now, if you can do it, hold up your hands and let's just say it together. I will never leave you. That's good, isn't it? One more time. I will never leave you. God promises to be with you today, tomorrow, and forever. And number three, you can live without fear because God has you on his heart this very moment. He will not forget you. Indeed, he cannot forget you. We all have our concerns. I have my list of 43 things that quickly grew to 47. You have your list that grows day by day. We're never going to be free of the cares of this world as long as we live in this world. But we can live without suffocating worry that strangles our faith and drains our joy. To all our fears, the Lord says quite simply, I am with you always. Fear not. Will things get worse? Fear not. Will I lose my health? Fear not. Will I keep my job? Fear not. Will my loved ones undergo hardship? Fear not. Will my investments collapse? Fear not. Will I run out of money this year? Fear not. Will tragedy strike my family? Fear not. Will my children disappoint me? Fear not. Will others ridicule my faith? Fear not. Will my cherished plans come to nothing? Fear not. Will my dreams turn to ashes? Fear not. Will God himself forsake me? Fear not. Will I face death this year? Fear not. We of all people ought to be optimistic as we face tomorrow. We have a great future because we have a great God. So chin up, child of God. Stop staring in the soup. Pull those shoulders back. Put a smile on your face. Take your troubles, wrap them up in a box, and give them all to the Lord. As the old chorus says, cheer up, ye saints of God. There's nothing to worry about, nothing to make you feel afraid, nothing to make you doubt. Remember, Jesus never fails, so why not trust him and shout? You'll be sorry you worried at all tomorrow morning. With that happy thought, I wish you and yours a very happy New Year.
You've been listening to the American Family Radio Special for the new year, What Are You Worried About Today? Featuring Ray Pritchard. Ray is president of Keep Believing Ministries and a frequent co-host of today's issues on American Family Radio. If you would like to listen to this message again, connect with Ray, or learn more about Keep Believing Ministries, visit keepbelieving.com. What Are You Worried About Today? is an American Family Radio special presentation. 